All right, why don't we give God the best type of praise in this place? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> All right, everyone, good morning. How are you guys doing? Awesome. Well, thanks, team, also. Uh, I, don't, that's, I think that's a really uh, nice thing. It's an awesome thing that, you know, once in a while we get to have an acoustic set, right? And uh, we even got to sing and reflect on some of the hymns, um, you know, from, from long time ago and then sing them again. And yet, still, the truth of those hymns are, are still true for us today, amen? Um, what I'm talking about today, actually, also, is I, I, I thought about uh, another hymn. Maybe you guys know this hymn called um, It Is Well With My Soul, right? Uh, you know, as I was thinking about this preaching and I was looking at, you know, the, um, the order of our service and the songs that we're going to sing, I was like, wow, this is just perfect because it reminded me of, uh, yeah, this song, It Is Well With My Soul. And for me, this is one of my favorite hymns. And I remembered I had a moment with the Lord when I was in the youth, uh, before serving in the youth ministry. And, that, you know, I, I remembered that there were a lot of things happening in my life, even as a young person. And still, you know, there was a peace of God that was real in my life, you know. And, 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 and whatever it was that was happening with me, it was well with my soul. So the truth was something that I experienced. Um, but I don't know if you guys knew the background of that. Maybe some of you are aware of uh, the guy who wrote that hymn. His name is actually uh, Horatio Spafford. And he was a successful attorney and a real estate investor who lost a fortune in the great Chicago fire in 1871. And around that time, his beloved four-year-old son died of scarlet fever. Now, thinking that a vacation would do his family some good, so they were in the U.S. in Chicago, he sent his wife and four daughters on a ship to England, planning to join them after he finished some pressing business at home. However, while crossing the Atlantic Ocean, the ship was involved in a terrible collision, and, and it sunk. And more than 200 people lost their lives, and included in those people were his children, his four daughters. Now, his wife survived. Um, and then when his wife, uh, Anna, uh, came to England, she sent a telegram to Horatio right away, and she said, save the loan, what shall I do? Now, Horatio immediately set sail for England, and at one point during his voyage, the captain of the ship was aware that he actually lost his family from a previous, from, you know, from where that ship, uh, the previous ship that sailed. And so, you know, in the Atlantic Ocean, they were going through, there was a time they were going through the same spot where that initial first ship with his daughters and wife sunk. And so they were going through it. And so as Horatio was passing over the spot, he thought about his daughters and words of comfort and hope filled his heart and mind. He wrote them down, actually, and we sing them up to, uh, until this day, right? He said, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to know, it is well, it is well with my soul. Amen. What an awesome thing to be reminded about. And I know that today is another day of remembrance, and we're going to remember the Lord as we partake in the Lord's table. But again, this is another awesome time where we get to remember about the Word of God. Specifically today, I will be talking to you about peace. But really, I just, 
I don't want to just talk about peace. I don't want us to just know about peace. I actually desire for a church to really be constantly experiencing peace. But here's the thing. We cannot experience peace apart from knowing the truth about peace. And so, still, we must know. We must have knowledge about the truth about peace so that we can use what we know and, by God's grace, actually experience true peace in our own hearts and souls. So our passage for today is in Isaiah chapter 26, verses 3 and 4. Turn your Bibles with me to Isaiah 26, 3 to 4. It says there, You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. So the title of this sermon is Experiencing a Life of Perfect Peace. I have three main things or main headings that I want you to know from these two verses for today. First is, what is perfect peace? Second is, the source of perfect peace. And third is, receiving perfect peace. And so let's dive right in. Now, what is perfect peace? Now, if you look at verse 3, it says there, you keep him in perfect peace. I would like to focus on the term or phrase, perfect peace. Notice that it is not small peace or an imperfect or an impartial kind of peace. The Lord gives his beloved children, what? Perfect peace. Amen. Now, interestingly, in the original language, in the Hebrew the original term that was used here was not perfect peace. It was actually peace, peace, right? So the word peace was used two times, right? So that's just how they emphasized in the Hebrew language. Just like in the hymn that we sang earlier, right? Holy, 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 right? In the Hebrew. But really, in the English, we would say what? Holy, holier, holiest is the Lord God Almighty, right? Um, and so that's how we would talk, but again, in the original text here in the, in the Hebrew, that's how they would say it, holy, 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 which means they are talking in the most excellent way. They, they said it three times, that means it's the most excellent way in the superlative degree of describing the Lord God Almighty. And so for those who are in Christ, when we get to heaven, we will get to be with God who is holy, holy, holy. And when we're there, we're actually going to experience his peace, 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 right? In the most superlative, most excellent way. Because God himself will wipe away every tear. There will be no more discouragement. There will be no more despair. There will be no more death. It will just be the peace of God and God is our light and God being our, our, our everything. And, but still, you know, today, while we're still here on earth, Right? We get to experience only just peace, peace. But still, again, you know, to say something two times is actually to underscoring. It's, it's highlighting the vast importance of the word or the term. So again, as I said, right now we have peace, peace here on earth for those who are in Christ. And yet, that is still significant. And the significance is available to us. And so, so you see... You know, again, in the Hebrew, it's peace, peace, but in English, it's perfect peace. 
all right? And, and in other translations, it can be, you, you can find it, and it might say overflowing peace or abundant peace or lavish peace. And this perfect peace, you know, the original term, I didn't tell you yet, but some of you may already know, right? The original term of this, uh, this might ring a bell. It's actually shalom, shalom, all right? It's shalom, which is synonymous with wholeness or completeness or soundness. It carries the idea of the prosperity of the soul. You are prospering. Um, it, it talks, it's talking about a shalom, shalom, a healthy life in your heart and in your soul and in your emotions. Um, and God's people, they actually really experience this, right? We get to experience real safety and real security in our lives because we know that with, with every fiber of our being, we just know for sure that God is in control of all things and that we are in His arms inside his will, under his, pro- under his providence, under his provision. So therefore, a person being kept in God's perfect peace will yield the fruits of quietness of heart and contentment of soul. You know, every day, I mean, I'm pretty sure this is true for most of us, there's, there's lots of chaos that's happening around us, right, in your life. You know, maybe in your environment, in your surroundings, maybe just even inside you, like in your mind. Um, But in in the midst of all that, the question for us is, are you experiencing quietness of heart and contentment of soul? As a Christian, when you are reminded that you don't have complete control over circumstances, in the end, really, it can only be the perfect peace of God that will cause you to stay intact. It will just really be the perfect peace of God that will cause you to be complete and whole. And the perfect peace of God puts forward the idea that you have, as I've said, shalom, shalom. And this means that that nothing good is lacking in your life. That's what this means, shalom, shalom. Maybe you needed that reminder. Maybe you needed to hear that again. That nothing good is lacking in the lives of those who have perfect peace. Now, perfect peace touches different areas of our lives. And one of them is spiritual well-being or spiritual peace. Now, this refers to you being in the right standing with God, that you have found favor and an acceptance with God. And this is the first one we have here, spiritual peace. So the thing is, before you received Jesus Christ in your life, you were at war with God. You hated the things of God. And the pattern of your life was all about doing the things that God hated. You were at war with God, and you did not have, in that sense, you really did not have spiritual peace. Um, But when you received Christ in your life, he gave you a new heart and a new desire for righteousness and holiness. And so, if you are in Christ, then, you know, Numbers chapter 6 should be true for you. It says there, the Lord blesses you, and he keeps you, and the Lord makes his face shine upon you. And he is gracious to you. The Lord turns his face towards you and he gives you peace, right? And so the scriptures tells us that when we receive Christ, we are no longer the enemy of God, but his friend. Because of Christ's accomplishment at the cross. Now we're talking about the gospel here. Because of what Jesus has done for us at the cross, he made 
being at peace with God available to those who would repent of their sins, believe in his name, and embrace him by faith. Instead of them being rightfully punished for their sins, what happened was Jesus took the punishment on their behalf. Therefore, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no longer any fear of condemnation from the wrath of a holy and righteous God. Isn't that amazing? If you are in Christ today, this is a reality. There is no longer any punishment waiting for you because of your sins. At the cross, there was an exchange that happened. Jesus, who was perfectly obedient to God, he became the guilty one. He was, really, he was and is the perfect one. He is worthy. He is, he, he, he is uh, sinless. He, he is pure. Jesus was the only one who was able to take the full punishment and appease the wrath of a holy and a righteous God for the sake of his people. And so that by God's grace and by faith, the guilty ones, the sinners, you and me, are forgiven and set free. You have been given the right to what? To become children of God. Is that the story of your life? Have you been forgiven? Are you, have you been set free? Of course, we have to ask the question, are you one of his people? Do you belong to him? And if not, of course, if not, it is our desire, it is God's desire even that you will repent. And so it is our prayer that, may God, that, that God would grant you the grace to respond to respond to and to believe in the gospel. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, uh, for the sake of those who believe in Jesus, what God did was this. God the Father made Jesus to be sin, who knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So if you don't know Jesus, you know, there is a call, there is uh, a begging, accept the fact that you are a sinner and that you need the forgiveness that only God can provide through Christ. Believe in who Jesus is and in what he has done. Confess your sins, repent of your sins, and entrust your life to Jesus. This is the call of the gospel. Repent and believe today, for tomorrow may be too late. Now, on the other side, we have God's people. Right Hear this. If indeed you belong to him and trust in him, this is our reality. Spiritual peace is ours. Perfect, peer, perfect peace sorry, is yours. All right, now let's go back to this. Let's dig a little bit deeper. When it comes to shalom, shalom, not only do you get spiritual peace, you also get mental well-being or mental peace. And here I'm not talking about being sane or insane. I'm talking about having the state of mind that is content and that is restful. It's having a serenity of mind, the feeling of being secured, having a good conscience, no anxiety, no worry, but peace at all times in all, on all occasions. In other words, having the second one, this mental well-being or mental peace, it's talking about having a peace of mind. Do you have peace of mind? In a life full of cares, um, how is it that Christians are able to achieve a carefree state of mind while suffering or struggling in all the chaos and unpredictability of life? 
Well, because the Christian knows, we know that God causes what? All things to work together for a good, for us who love him, for us who are called according to his purpose. Also, we know that in our lives, really, as we are in Christ, we know this, that whatever others may, may mean for evil towards us or against us, we know that God intends and works all things out for our good. That is why you and I, as believers, can rejoice in the face of trials and tribulations because we know that God is using these things to bring us to maturity and to perfect us into the likeness of Jesus. Moreover, God uses trials and tribulations to cause our lives to ultimately give glory to him alone. Why is it important for us to give glory to the Lord? You know, you would see it in the scriptures, you would find out that it's good for us to give glory to God because if we don't, then we will lose the purpose or the meaning or the eternal significance of our lives. So that's why we give glory to God. Now, considering all of these things, even in the worst of times, we can go to sleep in peace, right? Um, you know, Psalm chapter 4, verse 8 says, I will lie down and sleep and sleep in peace for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety, right? Whatever it is that's happening in our lives, we thank God that he's given us his promise, that he's given us his shalom, shalom. Now we can go even deeper in our understanding of this perfect peace. We also get emotional peace. You know, this refers to emotional prosperity. You know, to help us understand, we can look at the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said this. In verse 4, he said, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Shalom, shalom, or perfect peace, also provides for us a comforting peace for our emotions to help us overcome stress, tension, or uneasiness, or agitation. And, and, and really, perfect peace uh, affects us in so many ways. And, and here, the, the fourth one, it also affects us in our, really, our lives. It, our, our life prosperity, our abundant life. In the fourth one, uh, the perfect peace works in this way in the life of the Christian, right? How do we get this perfect peace in this abundant life? Well, it's understanding this. I understand that all the circumstances and all of the events of my life are being woven together into a master plan, a beautiful tapestry of God's grace. You know, so there are things that we can't control. There are things that we don't know why they're happening, and yet... You know, because of God's perfect peace, he allows us to understand that he is the one that's producing or providing for us this abundant life. And so no matter what happens, we know that in God's wisdom, he's working it all out. And in the end, it's like an awesome and beautiful tapestry just showing and showcasing the grace and the mercy and the faithfulness of God. This is what life looks like for those who are in Christ. And so I'm okay with it. Whatever trials and tribulations, let it be, Lord, so be it. Amen. Um, because, Lord, you are the one in control, and you give me shalom, shalom. So by faith and according to God's word, we know that the God of the Bible, in his timing and in his wisdom, will make all things good and beautiful. And not only that, he will also expose the truth, right? Uh, thank God that he works in that way. We can see his goodness, his beauty, as well as his truth. Um, so, 
here, we understand in the fourth one, in the abundant life or um, uh, life, uh, the life prosperity, we understand that there is nothing unintentional in how my life has turned out or is turning out to be as we follow Jesus and obey his word. And because of that, we are at peace. So do you have this perfect peace? I hope and pray that you do. Do you want it if you don't have it? Or maybe you're aware of it, but you're not experiencing it, right? That's a challenge for us. Maybe we're too busy. Maybe we're not creating space in our lives to experience this grace. In verse, uh, in verse 3, it says there, you know, uh, you keep him. In verse 3, it says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So who can give it to you? I mean, we already know, right? Who can give you this peace? We already know the answer that it is God himself. And to be clear, let me just say this, only God himself, only God himself can give this peace. Shalom, shalom comes from no other source but God himself and God alone. And that's why we must be careful. Because in this world, there are all sorts of peace. And, and really, in the end, we find out that they're nothing but, but facades, right? Uh, like a truce. If you remember in the book of Jeremiah, you know, there was a warning that was given to God's people. And, and it's like saying, hey, watch out. You know, people will say, peace, peace. While really, there is no peace. Um, now, I, I can think of so many examples, but I have just a few here. You know, I'm thinking about you may have financial peace in your life. You may have heard of treaties of peace, you know, regarding war. Or you may have heard of drug-induced peace and, and many others. Yet we know that they are just providing temporary peace. Uh, and the thing is, they are uh, hollow, shallow, or fleeting. They're temporary. And so we see that a lot of things that are happening in our society, in our society uh, the, peace that, the, the sort of peace that they get or the world provides uh, is a kind of peace that's based on things such as having stuff or possessions, or having status, or sex, or situations that allow for momentary happiness. But peace that is true and real and lasting, or supernatural peace, can only come from the God of peace. If you guys still have your Bibles open in Isaiah 26, right there, just go to verse 12 with me. It says there, right, Isaiah uh, 26, verse 12, O Lord, you will ordain peace for us, for you have indeed done for us all our works. Do you see that? God is the only one who establishes peace in the hearts of God's people. There's no other place. There's no other source. And so if, it is, if, it, if it's God who is a source of it all, should we not focus on God more? I think... A lot of us, including me, may be guilty of having moments in our lives when things get chaotic and, and crazy and, and we don't go focus on God. We don't go to the God of peace. So what are, what are some of the ways that we can focus on God, do you think? Well, in verse 4, we are actually given three names uh, for God that we can focus on. And the reason that we are given three names, this is amazing. Um, uh, he, here we are given three names with this intention to show us the full sufficiency of peace that God has for us. In verse 4, it says, Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. So look at the name 
the names that were used for God, right? First is the Lord in verse 4, trust in the Lord forever. And then the second part, it says, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. That's the third one. So this causes me excitement, right? Because I'm looking at this verse in verse 4, and it obviously answers the question for us. Who gives us shalom, shalom? Who gives us perfect peace, right? And we already knew that it was God and God alone. We, we get that. But in case, you know, just in case you forget to focus on the God of peace, who establishes and ordains shalom, shalom, in the hearts of his people. Isaiah is teaching us that in case you lost focused about who supplies with unlimited capacity the perfect peace, verse 4 shows three times who the source is. And so may you grasp this. Let's look at the first name mentioned in verse 4. It says, the Lord. Right? You guys see that in your Bibles? It's the capital L capital O, right? All uppercase, L-O-R-D, right? In the Old Testament, the capital L-O-R-D signifies the name of God used in Genesis chapter 2, uh, which we have come to know as the word Yahweh or Jehovah. So when every time you see L-O-R-D in, in uppercase letters, it's talking about the name of God, specifically Yahweh or Jehovah. And also in Exodus this L-O-R-D was used as well. And in that context, you know, Moses was talking to God and Moses was like, hey God, if people ask me who sent me, what am I going to say? And God said, this is my name, essentially. I am, really, he said, I am that I am, right? And so what does that mean? Well, for us, really simply, it means that God is the absolute, the eternal the all-sufficient, the unchanging one. That's what that means. When you see the capital letters L-O-R-D, it's referring to Yahweh. It's referring to I am that I am. And that means that it's talking about God who is absolute, eternal, all-sufficient one, unchanging one. He is the one who exists without depending on anything for anything. He depends on nothing and no one for anything. He created everything and and every moment of every day, he did all those things without the help of anyone or anything. While we, as, as people, as humans, on the other hand, in Acts chapter 17, verse 28, it says that in him, it has to be in him, right? In him, we live and breathe and move and have our being. So do you understand what this means? This means that this means that if you ever want just one like tiny drop of peace in your life or quietness in your heart or contentment in your soul, if you want even just like a tiny drop of that, you are entirely and completely dependent upon the Lord, L-O-R-D, for that tiny drop of peace. This is what that means. And so the question goes back to us. Do you depend on God to receive this peace? As I read uh, this verse 4, you know, as, as, I, as, I, as, I, yeah, as I was reading this verse 4 over and over again, you know, I, I'm, it's like I can kind of hear Isaiah, right? I can kind of hear him saying, hey, Christian, beloved believer in Christ, do you get it? 
do you get it? It's almost like he's saying that, right? He's like, do you get it? And he's like, well, in case you've forgotten, all right? In case you've forgotten to think about it, then we go on. We move to the next one, all right? And the next one is, here, right here, the Lord God. In case you don't get it, let's look at the name of God mentioned in verse 4, the second one. And this term is the term Lord God. Or in some of your Bibles, it might say God the Lord, right? And this term Lord God is actually a compound. So it's like, you know, two names of God put together. And the intention here is to, to show you the strength of the name Lord and the strength of the name God and to give the reader the impression that the name of the Lord is big and being magnified when they are put together in that way. So therefore, when we hear the term Lord God or God the Lord, it should all the more produce in us more peace, perfect peace, because it highlights the fact that God is all the more powerful and all the more victorious over our circumstances. Circumstances that can steal or threaten our peace. Do you believe this? Do you have this peace that is provided by no other than the Lord God. Now, you see, to understand the term Lord God is to understand that nothing is impossible for God. When you see that term, Lord God, is talking about nothing is too hard for the Lord. Whatever circumstance you're going through, if, you, if your hearts are burning for someone in your family or group of friends that don't know Jesus, nothing is too hard for the Lord, nobody is so far out of his reach. No sickness, too much for God to heal. No unsafe person, too far. Right? This is what is talking about the Lord God. He's so strong. And this is the application of his name. But in case you still don't get it, <laughs> As I'm hearing Isaiah saying, you know, he puts in another, another name for God. And here, it's everlasting rock. All right? Now, this term or phrase can be translated as the rock of ages. The rock of ages. Or the strength of all ages. Strong for all time. This means that God is fixed and firm during all the chaos and all the turbulent waves that we experience in our lives and that happen in history. This implies that if God is indeed the everlasting rock and we are indeed planted and rooted in him, then we will not be swayed. We will not be moved. We will not be drowned by the waves and we will not go down in whatever situation is happening in our lives. No. In Christ, we can and will stand in the midst of all the suffering and even persecution as part of our testimony and for the sake of his name. God is the rock in which we stand. And here's the thing, not just for today, not just for tomorrow or the next week or the next months or the next years. He is our rock forever, throughout all time. God is our fixed and firm foundation. This is solid, solid ground. Amen. Come on, let's give him praise. Yeah, thank God. What an encouragement to us. That is why there's no need to worry. 
There's no need to be distraught. And now, as we end, all that we have learned this morning begs the question, okay, well then, how can I receive this peace? Okay, how can I receive this peace? Verse 3 gives us the answer. All right, verse 3 and it's talking about, you keep, it says, you keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And so how do you receive this peace? Well, when you have your mind stayed on him. This is kind of like a, a weird way to talk, right? When you have your mind stayed on him. I don't think we talk like that anymore. But here, it's really talking about um, a steadfast, a steadfastness. When your mind is, is really attached to him. And the the original term is talking about you have a frame of mind. That's the frame of your mind. The frame of your mind is this is who God is. There, you have a specific frame of mind. In other words, to have your mind stayed on him is to have a mindset stayed on him. There's a boundary to that frame, right? And so that's what he's talking about. How can you receive this perfect peace? Well, keep your frame of mind focused on God. That's what this is saying, all right? A mind that is stayed on him. This is now our responsibility. This is what we have to do as people who follow Jesus. Do not be distracted. You need to have a resolve that you would pursue to have a concentrated focus on God. It it's, it's echoing, you know, in James, it's talking about do not be double-minded about God. You need to have this frame of mind. You need to have the specific mindset. So how can we have this frame of mind? Well, you know, I just thought, about, I just thought of six things, right? Well, first and foremost, I think it's God's word. We need to focus on God's word. We need to have a focus on God's word. It is our responsibility to be constantly reading the scriptures so that we can have a continual meditation upon who God is and upon his truth. And the word of God must be replaying in our minds throughout the day. The second thing that I thought of um, is a focus, a focus on God's character. How can we keep our minds stayed on him? We need to focus on God's character, that he is holy, he is powerful, he is wise, merciful, gracious, faithful, and all those things that we find in God's word. So that in the end, we would end up seeing our circumstances in the lens of God's character. Through the lens of God's character. The third thing that I thought of is, how can you, know, how can you keep your mind stayed on Him? Well, focus on God's path for you. You know, the truth is, God has a specific and unique plan for your life. He has a chosen path uniquely for you. And so to keep your mind stayed on him means you should focus on running the race that God has for you. And the danger here is being distracted by trying to be someone else. In our society, that happens. We think this is the right way to do it. We try to be like somebody else or we try to be like the world. But God's word teaches us that there's a specific path that is that he has chosen specifically for each and every one of us. And so to keep our minds stayed on him means that we need to focus on God's plan for us. The fourth thing, focus on God's work. God is at work in this world through his church. 
And so to keep, one of the ways to keep your mind stayed on him means to be aware of what God is doing in the world and in the church and through the church. But if you don't go to church, how can you be aware of what God is doing through his church or in his church? So the encouragement here is for us to go to church, get involved, serve God's people, love God's people. The fifth thing, focus on God's son. So how can you keep your mind stayed on God? Well, focus on Jesus. Look at Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the center of it all. And as you focus on Jesus, you will have this mind of Christ. You look to Jesus because you know that nothing else and no one else will do. Otherwise, if you get distracted and you don't focus on Jesus, guess what will happen? Just like Peter, right? He was looking at Jesus and he started looking at the waves and what happened? He was walking in the water. Jesus called him to go walk in the water and he started sinking. And so it's important for us to to keep our minds stayed on God and focus on the sun. The sixth thing that I thought of is focus on God's glory. This means that you are focused on magnifying the supreme worth of God in every circumstance in your life. Now we know this. Following Jesus has a cost. We know that following Jesus will cost you, really, your life. But the value that you will get in return for following Jesus is worth much more even than your own life. And so that's why, that's one of the ways we can keep our minds stayed on him, by focusing on his glory. It's all about his glory, his supreme worth. And again, now going back to verse, uh, uh, verse four, how can we receive this peace? Well, we must trust in him. The image of trusting God uh, in a lot of parts of the Bible is this, that it's like that we are fragile, that's kind of like the image, right? We are fragile and weak, and, and, and we need to hold on. Like, we're almost like we're needing to hold on to, like, a staff or a cane or something just so we, so we can remain standing, like we're holding on to a wall or something. That's the kind of picture that's being painted here when it talks about trusting in Him. You cannot stand on your own. You may try, but you will fall. So it, the idea is trusting in Him, in him means that you abide and hold on to him in every moment because if you don't, you will fall. That's why it says there in verse four, trust in the Lord. What? Trust in the Lord what in verse four? Forever. Trust in the Lord forever. Not sometimes, but forever. And so we need to have an ongoing, constant trust in the Lord. This means that you cannot, this means that you cannot live today trusting from your trust on the Lord yesterday. If you trusted the Lord yesterday, that day is done. Now you have to trust the Lord again, anew, afresh today. And when tomorrow comes, that means that whatever sort of trust you had on the Lord today, it has to be ongoing. So forget your trust today, then tomorrow you will trust the Lord afresh and anew. This is what it means to trust in the Lord forever. We thank God for moments like these where we have remembrance days and, you know, so we get to remember because we forget that the one who has perfect peace is the one whom we should trust 
and yet we forget that. So thank God for his grace in that regard. You know, there's another part here, and it says uh, in verse 3, you keep him in perfect peace. You know the word keep there is actually like a military term. It's talking about guarding something, right? Verse 3, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So the, the word keep is, again, as I said, a military term, and it's talking about like guarding, like guarding a garrison, right? So if you trust the Lord, if your mind is stayed on him, guess what? He will guard what? He will guard what? Well, if you look at Philippians 4, 6-7, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6-7, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This is amazing. You know, now you think about this, it's like, wow, that's the kind of peace and hope that we have as Christians, you know? And so now, I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever given this thought, this some thought, but what about those who are not in Christ then? How hard their life would be, you know? If, if they bet on a football game and, the, and, the, and their team loses, <laughs> and their football team loses, it's like the whole, the whole world is shattered, Right? I know I'm just making this little example. I'm not overgeneralizing, but there is a sense of that, that people abide and hold on to other things in the world that fade and that fail and that, that, uh, that are fleeting. But this is what God offers to his people, perfect peace. So today we have learned these things. What is perfect peace? We learned that. Who is the source of perfect peace? And how can you receive perfect peace? So thank God for his word. Well, what's the point? Again, it is not for us to just know these things, right? It will be, we would, it's, it's, it's a failure that we just know these things as a trivial information if we don't experience what God is talking about. So the reason we must know the truth about peace is so that it can be used as an arsenal for experiencing peace for experiencing a life of perfect peace. Now, I get this. Some of you here might, might be saying, but Pastor Jonathan, like, I get it. I already knew this from before. I already knew the terms. I already knew the or origin or whatever, right? And, and I would say, yeah, thank God that you knew, right? Um, and I agree with you. If, if, you guess, if this is review for most of you, then I agree with you. Yeah, you already knew this, so what's the point, right? Uh, so in that sense, I agree, but then you know what? I'm still convinced that none of us here has reached the peak of this perfect peace that God is talking about. So it's good for us to be refreshed in our minds and in our memories and in our hearts and our souls about what this is about so that we can, again, have a renewal of our mind and not just settle of like yesterday's peace but have this desire in our hearts and be like, God, I want to experience your peace anew, afresh. Fresh peace that comes from you. Fresh shalom, shalom. Until that day that I actually get to experience peace, peace, peace with you. So people around, and, and here's the thing, it doesn't just stop there, right? 
the response that we have to our circumstances, the thing is people around us will see how we respond to the circumstances happening in our, in our lives and, and, and they would see, people are watching how prosperous you are in your spiritual health or in your mental peace, mental well-being or in your emotional well-being and people around will see. And so the hope is when people see your lives or how you deal with your circumstances, the hope is that they would see that you are someone in the middle of experiencing perfect peace, that everything is well with your soul. And when they witness that, the other hope is that that they may see your life as a life that is pointing to the Prince of Peace. So may God give us strength and grace to do that. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the peace that you give to our troubled hearts. And Lord, we need you every moment. And so Lord, please give us the strength to remember, to go back, to humble ourselves, to trust in you afresh. Apart from you, we are nothing. But we thank God that, we thank you, O Lord, that with you all things are possible. We thank you for this moment. We thank you for your word. May it really change our lives. Enough about knowing, more about being transformed into your image. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, our everlasting rock. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.